I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And I really want the message to go out that meditation isn't about stopping your thoughts. It's about becoming more aware of what's going on from moment to moment. What matters most? It's different for everyone. You're listening to Short Black with me, Sandra Sully. Good women, great chat. These days we're always being told to look after our bodies, but what about our minds? Today's guest has all the answers. Well, it's my pleasure to have the founder of Mindful in May, Elise Bailey, joining us here at Short Black. G'day, Elise. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Sandra. Thanks for having me. You know, the concept of mindfulness is something that I think makes people a little bit nervous, like maybe they're not in tune with their inner self enough. Should people be scared of the term mindfulness? Look, I think like anything that you're not familiar with, there's so much kind of mystique and misunderstanding, but really mindfulness is a very practical thing. It's a practice and a tool to help us use our minds more effectively and specifically to be more present, to be more connected to what's going on within ourselves, so emotionally, and then between us in relationship and in relation to the external world. And unfortunately, our brains and minds are they have a bit of a design flaw in them, and that is that we're spending a lot of our time thinking into the future getting caught up in the past. And this had an evolutionary advantage for us. We, we needed to learn how to plan into the future for survival. But unfortunately, with all these external distractions right now in our lives, it's getting more and more hard to sustain attention where we want it to be. So mindfulness is really like a training to help us with that. Is it about being in the present? Because I notice when I look at all of the stories around being mindful, you need to master the craft of meditation. And that's difficult for a lot of people. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think it's really helpful to think about this similarly as we do physical exercise and physical fitness. So culturally, we all know that if we want to be physically fit and energized, then we actually do need to put our bodies under a bit of strain, go to the gym, go for a run, whatever it is. And so we can really think about meditation as being like that. We're putting our attention and our minds under a little bit of strain, i.e. meditation, for the benefits of having a mind that is functioning in a much more effective way in our everyday life. So I like to say it's a very small time investment for huge returns in our life. And I think, again, you know, there's a lot of misunderstanding about what meditation is and people get intimidated by that. How can I meditate if I've never meditated before? What's the key trick? There's two forms of meditation. You have the formal meditation, like taking your mind to the gym, and that's simply choosing an object. So traditionally, it's always feeling the breath because this is something that we always have with us that's in the present moment. We need an anchor for our attention. And so we choose an anchor. It might be sound. It might be the breath. Lots of different forms of meditation. And every time we notice that our mind is flicking off into a thought, a plan, 
We just gently bring the mind back and it's been likened to almost training a puppy dog. You've got to be patient with that puppy dog as you're trying to teach it to stay. It runs away and you bring it back and you say, stay, you know, with patience and kindness. And that's what you're doing with your mind. And what we know is that when you do this practice regularly over a number of months, you can actually see changes in the brain, in the areas of the brain that are most useful to us as humans, specifically this prefrontal cortex, which is really governing our capacity to focus, stay present, you know, tune into our emotions and inhibit those automatic responses that we have when, we're, when we've been triggered emotionally. So people can think of it to be quite an esoteric practice, but the science, and this is what I'm really passionate about, the science shows us that this is actually transforming our bodies and our brains in, in quite a fundamental way. So you can train yourself to meditate and you shouldn't set yourself too hard a task. Allow yourself time to learn to meditate. Absolutely. And I think, you know, having some kind of support, not just sitting by yourself and trying to work it out is the way to go. Just like learning any new skill, you need to have instruction and you need support around that. And one of the things that I've found really striking is that having community, having a group of people to do it with and to keep you accountable, like for any activity you want to build into your life is is really helpful. Your background, apart from being a meditation expert, is a medical doctor, a trained psychiatrist, a social entrepreneur, an author. When it comes to being mindful in May, the program itself is evidence-based, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Being someone that comes from science, there was a moment in my career where I went to a, a conference and I saw one of the world's leading experts in the brain and meditation put up all of these MRI scans and actually point out what had changed after two months of regular practice. So when I created Mindful MA, this one-month global program where we bring all of the world's experts together and offer people guided meditations each day, I was really interested to know, you know, thousands were, were writing to me saying it's really helpful, but I wanted to know, can we prove this? So we actually did a study with Monash University and we looked at, can 10 minutes of meditation a day through the Mindful MA program actually bring any benefits? Now, we didn't use brain scans. However, we did find through the initial research that it did bring measurable benefits to people, even just 10 minutes a day. And, and the benefits were around feeling more present. We used a flourishing scale and it increased people on, on the flourishing scale points. It also helped people manage their stress better. And people described just generally feeling more positive emotions and, and feeling a greater sense of contentment. I think there's a big myth that you have to meditate for hours a day to find benefits. And of course, the more you meditate, the more benefits you get, just like physical exercise. But certainly 10 minutes a day regularly is going to bring you benefits. Now, you found some great ambassadors in this campaign, Megan Gale, Magda Shabansky, and then you took this to Google HQ in Silicon Valley. Tell me that story. Well, actually, they, they found Mindflow May and they were really interested in it. This was already a number of years ago. And so the head of uh, people and culture decided to sign up a team over at Google, which was obviously very exciting. Um, and then they ended up coming on board for a few years and obviously being the top fundraisers for the cause because it is all about a cause as well, not just about doing something good for yourself. Yeah, and then they sort of ended up, they've now developed their own program that runs internally at Google. Well, they must support you globally as well, which helps you in your entrepreneurial uh, area. And social enterprise is a big part of what you do. What's the relationship there? 
I think inherent in the whole principle and ethics of meditation is it's really about helping people become happier and alleviate the suffering in their own life that so much of our mind creates on top of the external stresses in our life. But it's also about helping people to turn their attention outwards to generate more compassion, more empathy. And so there was this very natural kind of pairing together for me of running a meditation campaign, giving people all the resources and support they need to transform their own lives. And then as they develop these skills, it sort of ripples out and they can help people that are less fortunate. We raise money to bring clean water to the people in need all over the world. And there is a global water crisis that most people don't know about. One in nine people on the planet just can't access clean, safe drinking water. And this causes such immense suffering and and death and illness. So we are each year trying to raise money for that cause. And we've raised, you know, close to a million dollars and each campaign we hope to add to that. And what, what I find incredible is that it takes just $50 to transform one person's life forever because they get the clean water projects and then that's completely transformed their lives. It offers them capacity to have education rather than spend their days carrying clean water from distant locations. And let's face it, most of the people that do that water carrying are women and girls. A hundred percent. Wow. And I think, you know, right now in this climate of pandemic and what we've all been going through in the world, I think normally when life is kind of cruising and we're living our lives, you don't think about the hardship of others. But I think globally, we've all been put under such stress and strain and you sort of take a moment to imagine, gosh, it's been stressful for me. And, you know, we all have probably reserves. We have some simple luxuries, but imagine these people that are already without so much. And then on top of that pandemic and you know, we've been talking for a year now about washing hands and, and being hygienic to prevent the spread. So even more, these kind of issues are important. Have you noticed through COVID there's been an extra interest in meditation and this mindfulness concept? Yeah, I think it's really surged. I think that, you know, we know that even before COVID, there was such a mental health crisis going on. I mean, the WHO states that depression was I think it was nearly leading the leading cause of disability in the developed world. And so imagine now where, where we're at. So yes, I've definitely seen, I've had lots more interest and you know, people that perhaps were a bit more skeptical that are just a lot more desperate and really looking for things that can help them manage their stress. You know, life's hard enough for all of us before we started this record, had a family issue and we all do, you know, outside of our every day, we've got to manage our life. And in between that, we've got a pandemic and working from home and it might be kids at home and stresses at work. And you believe that that 10 minutes of meditation can help you cope with stress? Unequivocally. You know, this is exactly why I actually kind of pivoted and left my career in psychiatry and now spend my time full time teaching these kind of skills because I have just been blown away by how much this can actually help people. And obviously there's the science to support that. But I think that when you start something like meditation, setting yourself up for failure by aiming too high is just not the right way to do it. And I think the other thing is, you know, our minds are with us our entire lives and and no one, you know, we go to school, we go to university, we study externally for these careers, but we actually never spend time investigating our own minds. And yet the mind is the source of so much of our stress and suffering. Yes, we have external challenges, but then the overlay of of our relationship with that and, and how good we are at bouncing back from stress 
These are all skills that we can learn. And the science is clearly showing us that that is true. You know, we, we can get much better at building resilience, managing stress if we actually spend time training our minds. I note you're a mother of two. Is there a perfect age when you should introduce meditation to your children? I think that from a very early age, you can do it, but it's not in the form of meditation. You know, you're not getting your two-year-old to sit there for five, 10 minutes to meditate. However, there are incredible tools that exist already that are introducing kids to, in some ways, mindfulness in everyday life and application. And, And really, mindfulness is such a powerful vehicle to learning about our emotions because it it helps us turn our attention inward and so for example with my eldest daughter when she was two and entering into the tantrum land we had a calm corner and you know we we had a whole mindfulness thing set up and I was just experimenting to be honest because I hadn't done this before and I, I was amazed at what was happening Initially, I thought nothing was was happening where, you know, she'd have a, a tantrum, we'd go to the calm corner, there was a whole little setup there and we'd have activities and there were smiley faces and different emotional faces on the wall and we'd point which one she's feeling and then <laughs> do an activity. And, you know, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But eventually over time, she would actually take herself to that calm corner when she got emotionally worked up. So, I, I mean, I was, to be honest, I was surprised. I thought, wow, this is, this is incredible. This is actually working. So it's not about forcing meditation on your kids. And I get a lot of parents who have particularly teenagers that are struggling and how can I get my kid to meditate? And the the answer I say is, you know what? The most powerful thing is actually to engage in these practices yourself because the osmosis is huge. And actually the way that you're responding to your children, it's all modeling, you know? So if we can manage our own emotions better, that's going to be a hell of a, a lot of benefit to our children. Now, this might be a really simplified approach, but I did see a funny sketch yesterday. And for me, yesterday was just a really stressful day. And it made me laugh out loud because I'm a you know relatively new owner of a COVID puppy who's 11 months old. But there was a sketch of a dog and a man sitting on a park bench looking out. And they had captions, you know, above each head. And above the man was a caption of money going in and out. And then another one was sort of all sorts of swear words, you know, <laughs> with the, you know, the G's and R's and exclamation marks. And the dog was just smiling, looking at the day. I thought, I know we shouldn't compare ourselves to animals, but dogs are just so in the present. We all get so caught up in the madness. And meditation aside, it's just finding a moment to be really present, isn't it? Absolutely. That's a wonderful, you know, I can obviously visualize that cartoon in my own mind and it is really hilarious. But I think the other message is that, and I don't know if you can relate, but there's so many times in the day when you're going through with work or kids or family and you have those triggers, you know, and you get emotionally tense. And so mindfulness is also about helping people recover from that and really start again fresh in this moment. So no matter what happened just before, we can arrive at this moment and we have techniques that we can just reset ourselves so that we can be more present and leave behind what happened. As a mum of two young kids, I find that just invaluable because there's always these little explosion, emotional explosions and it's so easy for that to stick on you. But with mindfulness, you learn how to kind of let these thoughts and these emotions go and it's not denying any of it. It's just learning how to manage it better. And that's really the essence of resilience. It's really bouncing back. Yeah, and I think being able to find how to switch that gear. Now, I know the mind isn't a muscle, 
But if you think about it that way, you can train it to find that gear a little quicker. You know, we bounce every day between the, you know, the adrenaline hits and, and drama that overwhelms us at times. Do you find, you know, breathing is a big part of the mindfulness process? Oh, 100%. And the meditation, which looks like this kind of esoteric from the outside, it's having this really profound effect on the physiology of the body. And it is through the breath. When we start to meditate, I often invite people to extend out the out breath because we know that this actually massages a, a nerve in the body called the vagal nerve, which is a really crucial nerve in the body that when active triggers the rest and digest part of the nervous system. So when we know these things, we can actually hack it ourselves. And you know, if I have to get up and speak and I'm feeling a bit nervous, I always do this particular breathing where it's actually extending the out breath. And I do that for a minute or two. And it really does shift the nervous system away from the fight or flight branch and into the rest and digest. And then, of course, as you practice meditation and you're sitting in meditation and the body settles and the breath settles, then you're sending messages to the nervous system. The breath and the nervous system are intimately connected. If we're breathing very fast, it's sending messages to the nervous system. It's kind of this bi-directional thing. So we can use the breath to send the nervous system messages to calm down. It's really, really powerful. And really, I mean, it's something that we should learn at school, which it is being taught now at schools, but it's such a crucial tool. You know, we walk around with these brains and we're so cerebral, but actually, you know, we're, we're sort of almost animal-like and there's so much of this physiology that most people don't understand that has such an effect on our anxiety, on our agitation levels. There's, there's so much there. What I find fascinating is how meditation, which is an activity that we do with the mind, ripples down into the body and you know there was one piece of research on the on the kind of physiology science note that I discovered through Mindful May when I was interviewing one of the guests that was really mind-blowing I mean it was basically that Richie Davidson this scientist did studies and he found that a day of mindfulness practice actually affected the way genes are expressed in the body so they did blood tests and they found that the genes that we have that that code for inflammation in the body, which we know is really bad. It's what contributes to chronic diseases. The genes were turned down. So we had less inflammation in the body over a day of practice. Admittedly, most people aren't going to necessarily do a day, but the point is that there is so much we still don't understand about this. But we, what we do know is that this mental practice, there are echoes of the benefits that are seeping deeply into the body. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So Elise, I think so many people really wrestle with the concept of meditation. They just don't think they can sit still long enough. Um, it's not true, is it? 
Yeah, I think there's so many different ideas of what meditation is. And it's really unfortunate because it blocks people from this incredible resource that they can have. And as I said, our research showed that 10 minutes a day is enough. So that's the time thing. And then if you think about it, think about how long you get caught up in social media every day. I mean, most people at night, they just numb out and it's like half an hour gone social media. You could be doing 10 minutes of meditation and 20 minutes of social media scrolling, you'd still be up. Another point that I just wanted to highlight, which I hear from from students is, you know, I can't meditate. My mind just doesn't stop thinking. And I really want the message to go out that meditation isn't about stopping your thoughts. It's about becoming more aware of what's going on from moment to moment. And so that is not a block. And we sort of go through all of these different obstacles that come up for people through the program. It's not necessarily about practicing for 10, 20 minutes a day and experiencing this blissful calm. It's a skill building. It's a, it's a mental training skill building. That's going to actually help you in the rest of your day. So you're doing the training, like you go to the gym for half an hour, 45 minutes, you're training your mind for 10, 20 minutes. And then that mind is being carried into your day. And you're becoming more patient, more focused, better at making decisions, better at managing your emotions, better at getting to sleep at night. I mean, there are just so many benefits from a mind that is functioning at its best. Is there an optimal time of the day? Should you meditate only in the mornings or it doesn't really matter? Absolutely not. You know, I say to people, make it work for you. So for busy mums with young kids, the morning might not work because it's just chaos and you're getting up at five in the morning, six in the morning anyway. As long as you can make it work for yourself, it doesn't matter when you meditate. Outside of meditation, how else can you incorporate mindfulness into your everyday? There are so many different ways. There's an exercise, for example, that when you're walking down the street, if you're walking you know, at work and walking from place to place or at any kind of transition point, you can just actually tune into the senses as a way of grounding into the moment. So you might be rushing with a hundred things in your mind, just say, stop. And just count three sounds that you can hear, notice three colors, sense touch. So you might feel warmth, coolness. So really just, it's called getting into the senses. And when I started, this was all very abstract and esoteric for me. But what I started to understand is that, again, it's about bringing our mind and body together in this moment. And we can do that by actually tuning into the senses. And and when we do that, it's kind of like an earthing. It's kind of like stops our mind from racing and brings our attention back here. And if you do that a couple of times a day, I mean, you definitely start to notice, oh, that's really helpful, you know, and you start to realize that you can have more mastery and more choice over what your mind is doing and where it's going. And this then becomes really, really helpful at times of great stress. Like for example, if you're waiting for a medical test to come back or family medical test, and you're really worried and you notice that the mind's just getting caught up in worry, worry, worry all day, you get greater control at being able to unhook from that worry and bring your attention back into this moment really does have an effect on, on reducing that stress response. It makes sense to have a program throughout the month of May. What sort of take-up do you have? I mean, how important is tagging it to a month from a social perspective and, and getting the word out there? I think that community is everything. Humans love to feel connected and part of something. And so this is very different to downloading an app where you sit by yourself and there's no sense of support or community. And you're also just doing it, you know, for no, no particular higher cause. So What we find is that having it as an annual one month event gets people so excited. And it really is exciting because 
We have thousands of people from around the world and then we have a sort of online community and people are experiencing the same process and it really is this wonderful journey and I think that knowing that there are thousands of others that are doing exactly the same thing as you each day and seeing the input and the conversations is a really strong motivator and then of course you know seeing how much money is being raised and knowing that through your efforts you're kind of part of something bigger than yourself it's a very powerful thing and I think also because the way I've created the program is for people that are very busy but it does offer all the resources. So you literally get in your inbox, you open up every day of May and you get logged into the program. You have your video expert interview where you're learning amazing tools and practices. And then you have your one guided meditation. Everything's kind of just delivered to you and made really easy to do. I think all of that together leads to great results. If you want to sign up for Mindful in May, what's the process? You simply go to mindfulinmay.org and it's right there and you can read about it and see the amazing experts that we've got on board. And we also have a very strong emphasis this year on relationships and bringing mindfulness into relationships because I've really found that over this COVID time, I think relationships have been under an incredible amount of stress. So yes, you sign up and you're part of a global community. We have people coming back every year. I've been running it for seven or eight years now. And honestly, we have people coming back each year. It's kind of becomes their annual retreat and annual reboot. And it's a global campaign. How big is the reach? We have about 60, 65 countries participating each year. Wow. I promise I'm going to be more mindful and I may not wait till May at least. Thanks so much for your time today and helping me understand meditation that much more. I don't think it's beyond me anymore. I think I can do it. (laughs) My pleasure. You have been listening to Short Black, a 10 News First podcast for 10 Speaks. To make sure you don't miss any of our great chats, subscribe in your favourite podcast app. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.